Good morning. Happy Father's Day. We are thankful that you're here this morning to worship with us and uh, just wanted to start off with a few announcements as we get started. One announcement is that tomorrow morning we have 31 students and leaders headed down to Laguna Beach Christian Retreat for cross camp. And uh, we got about 135 total going for our camp between our churches. So y'all be in prayer for us as we, as we go down this week, especially the leaders, um, those driving just for, for safety there, but also most of all that God would be glorified and that students would come to, to love Christ and to uh, adore him and to live for him. And uh, we're, just, we're excited to see what God's going to do this week at cross camp. Speaking of camp, we also have several people going to Rockridge the following week, so um, that'll be a camp. If you know of any 9 to 12-year-olds who want to go to Rockridge, there's still room available. So you can see me. It's a a camp for 9 to 12-year-olds down in Franklin, so it's close by. We would love for you to be a part of that. If you have any questions, please come and see me. Um, There's still time to, to get some tickets for the Blackstone Grill giveaway if you would like to get a few more. Um, I'll, I'll have that drawing this afternoon. So once again, see me if you have any questions about that. Hopefully I'll be around. And um, also for camp, one thing I wanted to make you aware of is we are once again doing our camper adoption. Um, what that is, is we have all of our campers' names on a sheet of paper. And so if you would be interested as a family, um, grab one of those. And, and it's basically just asking you to pray for that camper for the week uh, while we're at camp. And so it kind of gives you some prayer prompts to pray for them. Um, but we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God listens to our prayers. And so as the church, um, we would love for you to, to adopt one of our campers for the week and pray for them this week as we're at, as we're at camp. So at the end of the service, those will be in the back. Um, if you would like one of those as a family, we would greatly appreciate you um, grabbing one of those on your way out. Um, just so you can specifically pray for one student this week as we're at camp. As we get started, let's uh, come together in prayer, and then we're going to worship together. Lord, we are grateful and thankful that you give us the opportunity to, to come together and to worship you, Lord, through song, through the preaching of your word, Lord, through prayer. We thank you for the church. Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would continue to build us and guide us and direct us, Lord, to glorify and honor you in all that we do. We thank you for those who are on the mission field, as we're going to hear about this morning, Lord, and the work that they're doing to, to go and make disciples of all the nations, Lord. We thank you that you are faithful, that you continue to work and move and direct, Lord, and build the way that you have promised that you would. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and our minds, Lord, teach us to obey, Teach us to adore you in all that we do. Thank you so much for just the blessings you give us, Lord. And I pray that you would just just fill us up this morning as we come together to worship you, Lord, that we would keep our, our, our hearts and our minds set on you. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a lot of people talking out there, and then it suddenly got silent. I thought, that must be my turn. If y'all stand with us this morning, happy Father's Day. We're going to focus our uh, worship on fathers this morning, and we're going to start with singing This Is My Father's World. Yeah. 
continue worshiping and glorify thy name. Father's Day to all of you. So grateful to be here at Glenlock on a special morning. I want to thank Miss Crystal for our wonderful and her volunteers. Right? Wonderful Father's Day breakfast. If, if you showed up at 9 o'clock, you were very well fed with some of the best biscuits in all of West Georgia. Uh, she has a special gift, and she's taking that on the road and training other people, but we won't get into all that. Hey, we've got a couple of special guests with us today. Uh, Ronnie Hopkins has been with us so much, I consider him family. He is a missionary in Nicaragua, and uh, we were privileged earlier this year, Terry, James, and myself, to go spend a week in Nicaragua with not only Ronnie, but another young man named Jerry. Jerry, why don't you come on up and I'll say if and Ronnie, I don't know if you're coming as his okay. Jerry's you're gonna send him alone. So Ronnie through the years, one of the great things that, that his ministry is about is raising up young leaders, young disciples, and sending them out across the world. So Jerry uh, was hel so helpful, just his Christian character. His humility, his personality, his, his, his love. We've just fallen in love with, with Jerry. So Jerry is going to Thailand. And they are visiting here in the States for a brief time. So I'm going to ask Jerry to share about himself and where he's going. At the end of the service, as we exit, we'll take up, up an offering uh, to be supportive of Jerry. But I need to be quiet and let Jerry speak. So... Uh, Jerry, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for being here, man. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a great privilege to be here, and I want to say happy Father's Day to all of you who have the privilege of being a father. So my name is Jerry, as Pastor Neil was saying, and I'm blessed to be here with you. Uh, this is my third time in the United States and my first time in this area, so I'm already in love with this place and with this wonderful church. I want to thank you all for being uh, willing to be part of the mission. We know that all of the church 
has been invited to be part of God's mission. This is the Father's mission, and as you know, God is a missionary God. So and he is inviting all of us to be part of, of this great mission. You know, he's the great, the great commission that he is giving to all of us as a privilege to be part of it. So I want to thank you for, for sending Pastor Neil and supporting them and, and, and Terry and, and, and James. They have been a great blessing to all of us in Nicaragua, and it was a challenge to be an uh, interpreter for them. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but uh, we enjoy the time that we spend with them. So God is always good, you know, he will never leave us alone. <laughs> so God is good, and, and thank you for, for your heart, for the ministry. Uh, so this morning we have a video. Uh, we want to do the video at the end. Okay. So uh, I graduated from the mission school in 2014 when I had my call to, to be a missionary. I remember I was sharing before with a group of uh, people that I was one day out of the field working when I felt God talking to my heart. And I knew it was him because you know when God is talking to you. He's your father. So uh, he told me, never tell me not. And I was just starting to cry, and I didn't know, you know, why I was crying, but I just couldn't stop. And, and then I said, God, what do you mean? Uh, why will I not tell you not? And then he says, because I haven't told you not. And at this moment, I was serving as the youth pastor in a small church in my community, and I, I felt the call for transcultural missions. After I, I, he finished that great conversion, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking with me, because it was just a few words, but it felt like he had a whole conference with me. So I understood, you know, what he was talking, what he was talking about. I understood his, his calling for me. It was a direct calling. And I know we all are trying to find our purpose for life, but we can only find our real purpose in life when we are in Christ. Because, you know, the, the purpose of us of being here on air is to accomplish the Great Commission. So we know that those who are being experienced redemption are the ones that are called to share the gospel. Because it's not the angels, you know. It's the mission of the church. So we as a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit are called to do this ministry together. So I want to thank you for your support and for your prayers. And thank you for, for impacting the kingdom by supporting the ministry in Nicaragua and in other countries. So I'm getting ready to go to Thailand now, and I, I just ask you to please continue to go with me and join with me on this mission, and I'm, I'm sure God is going to be with us as he promised. God bless you. stand with us. We're going to sing one more song before our message. We're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love.
Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much um, that, you know, as I heard on the way to church this morning, God, on J93, they said that, you know, we don't just worship a God who sits on a mighty throne, but Lord, you said for us to call you Father, and I couldn't help but think of the Lord's prayer that we start that with my Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, so God, Lord, this morning especially, we just thank you for being our Father, God. And as our Father desiring a relationship with each one of us, Lord, this morning, if anybody's here who, who's not experienced that true father-child relationship, we pray that this morning will be the morning it begins, God. And Lord, we just thank you for um, our earthly fathers that you've placed in our paths, God, and the godly men who lead this church, and so um, younger men, how to lead their families, God, in the way that you've commanded, Lord. God, we just thank you that um, you give us such a beautiful world to live in, God. And we want to glorify you in all that we do. And we just thank you for loving us so deeply, God. Lord, we thank you for allowing um, Ronnie and Jerry to travel with us and to share with us this morning. And we especially pray um, for Brother Jerry as he's going to um, expand his mission into Thailand, God. Lord, I pray as Neil brings the message that you'll just put in our hearts the specific ways that we need to help him um, extend his ministry, God. Lord, we uh, thank you for the book of Galatians and all that it's taught us, um, and we thank you for um, just those dear letters that were written for us to grow closer to you, and we ask for understanding um, and guidance and just open hearts this morning as Pastor Neil brings your word. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are going with Miss Katrina in the back for Children's Church. Okay, as the children leave, if you are preparing to give to the ministry, uh, the mission that Jerry just so um, eloquently spoke of, checks can be made out to Acts 1-8, which is the ministry um, organization that, that Pastor Ronnie uh, works out of and, and describes him, himself out of. So Acts 1-8 will be a way to give to uh, the mission that Jerry is going on. And, and it may be helpful for all of us, Jerry, if you would come up here and interpret for them what I'm saying, because I felt like you did an outstanding job of that as we traveled and preached in Nicaragua a few months ago. Again, uh, thank you, Jerry and Ronnie, for your compassion and your grace. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5, as Catherine alluded to uh, in her prayer. We want to pick up with verse 22 through 26, but... If you have your Bibles, leave them open in that crease, that space, because we're also going to hopefully, if we get there, spend a little time in Ephesians chapter 2, and I hope to explain how we get there along the way. So Paul is in the midst of describing this great battle that all of us have inside of us that is spiritual and it's intense and it's ongoing. And that's the war within us between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. That's an ongoing, intense struggle 
that's happening in each of us. So we find ourselves in the midst of that context as we get started with our particular verses this week. Now, as a dad, one of the things that I always enjoyed when my boys were younger, I don't think I could pull it off now because they're older and stronger, and I'm they're, they're older and stronger, and I'm older and weaker. But I used to wrestle with them when they were small. And that's one of the things that my dad would do with me and my brother. And so anytime we would have a match, the best part of the match was in the introduction. Because this was the main event. And so I would enact this or, or act this out something like this. In this corner... <laughs> Weighing ever how many pounds I wanted to say. You know, I enjoyed being the giant. In this corner was the giant. And in this corner. And then we had names for all the boys. And you get the idea. A lot of you dads have probably done that when your children were younger. Just wrestled and played and tossed and turned. It's, it's a great interactive, safe, most of the time battle. Furniture sometimes will be destroyed. But let's imagine on a cosmic spiritual scale that going on inside of us, except the difference is this is not, this is not pretend. Like this is the real thing. And this is the main event that all of us as human beings and Christians are going through. And it's the tension between the works of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to get through this a little bit so that we can see why this, is, why this battle is important and crucial. But since it's Father's Day, I want to reflect a little bit on the Father's role, God the Father's role, in our spiritual formation. God the Father's role... In our spiritual formation, what's the role that, that he has, that he plays? Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Then our question is, well, how do we become that kind of person? And I think that's how Paul ends this chapter. Because he says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us... I'm in verse 26. Then he says something very important. Let us not become boastful. Let us not become conceited. Let us not become full of ourselves. So one of the questions we've got to ask ourselves this morning as we study this is what kind of person am I becoming? Our Father cares deeply about, in fact, I'll say He cares most about the kind of person that we are becoming. So let's not become boastful or conceited. And then He says this, challenging one another or envying one another. Let's not become boastful. Because if we become proud, boastful, and conceited, then that will result in us challenging one another and envying one another, which is the very opposite of how he started this particular section, which he said earlier in 5.13, that we were actually called to, through love, serve one another. So if I'm boastful and conceited, that is going to limit my capacity and ability to be in humility and love and graciousness serving one another. I'll introduce the message that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for all that we've already heard and sung and seen. Thank you for missionaries among us who remind us of what our true purpose and calling is because at times, Father, we can so lose our way. And while we are here... 
in what you call us to be doing and the grace you've shown us. Father, remind us of the necessity of humility, the necessity of submissiveness to your amazing work in us, through us, through the church, to ultimately glorify you and fulfill the Great Commission. Thank you for being our Father who is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, this is the main event. And according to the last part of Galatians 5, the only way that the fruit of the Spirit will grow and manifest itself in our lives is for us to be Christ-affected. For he says we belong to him. Cross-affected. In that those who belong to Christ have crucified and are crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires, and to be spirit-affected. He emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit throughout this battle that he mentions, but in verse 25, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit, which essentially is to keep in line with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we are called to a spirit affected life. You and I, as it has been said, cannot control the Holy Spirit, but we can set our sails. We can set our sails so that the work of the Spirit could take shape and form us and move us and change us. So there's a warning in verse 26. Let us not become boastful. Let's talk a little bit about what this means. It means that we have the temptation, all of us, to live for our own glory. To be vainly conceited. To walk into the church and hear the song, How Great Thou Art, and think that they're singing about us. All right? It is to cherish an illusion of your own greatness. To have an exaggerated view of our own importance. All of us by nature are prone to live for ourselves and our own glory. I could cue Carly Simon right here, and James, you've heard me reference this, and I'm not talking about James here. But as she sang about a famous actor, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. So this sermon is about us. And the the temptation that we have to be conceited, uh, great theologians have, have put it like this. All of us are curved in on ourselves. We tend to attach everything to self, how it affects us, how, how, it, how it speaks about us. And so Paul's warning is for us not to become boastful. So how we see ourselves is crucial. How we see ourselves is very important because how we see ourselves and how we view ourselves is going to affect how we treat and interact with other people. Which he gives two particular things in verse 26 that are ways that we interact sinfully with other people, and these are works of the flesh. So if I'm conceited and self-absorbed and curved in on myself, then look at the end of verse 26. I'm going to treat people in one of two ways. These are two really bad curves, dangerous curves in life. Y'all know the curve on Glenlock Road if you go north toward Carrollton? There's a really bad curve on Glenlock Road. Let's picture that in our lives. And if I'm curved in on myself, then one of the bad curves is going to be I'm going to be continually challenging other people. Out of a feeling of superiority and self-glory, I'm going to spend my time challenging you. That's not serving you. But an image that came to my mind was from my high school sports days, riding a team bus with a teammate beside me, and this guy comes up with the bright idea while we're riding to a game, hey, let's trade licks with one another. If you don't know what that is, 
It's basically we're sitting beside one another, and he gets to go first, and he hits my left leg as hard as he can. (laughs) And then he says, now it's your turn. And I reach back, and I hit his right leg as hard as I can. And it goes on and on and on, and I'm to the point where I realize this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. What is the purpose of this? And the whole purpose is to show who's what? Who's the best? Who's the strongest? Who's the toughest? Now, we may laugh at that, but if you'll examine our adult lives, a lot of what we do outside and inside the church It's just trading licks with one another. And Paul says, if you become conceited, then you're going to be obsessed with outdoing one another. And that's the very opposite of the humility that grows the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if I'm also full of myself, then not only am I tempted to constantly challenge other people and want to prove them wrong and me right and make them feel dumb and me look smart and on and on and on. The other thing I'll do is at the second half of verse 26, I will start envying other people. Now, this is a feeling of inferiority, not superiority, but they both come from the same root, which is self-focus rather than Christ-focus. And if I start envying other people, then I'm, oh, poor little old me. Other people have it so much better, and I have it so bad. And then before long, you realize that you're the Eeyore in the situation. You ever seen Winnie the Pooh and old poor Eeyore? He was so self-absorbed. And so envious that he couldn't enjoy anything. So we don't want to gravitate toward either the bad curve of challenging other people or the other bad curve of envying other people because that takes out of our lives the humility in which the fruit of the Spirit grows. So if I'm not to be full of myself and conceited, how am I to view myself? Well, this is where the Father's workmanship comes into play. Because the way we truly identify who we are is according to our Father. It's according to who He is and what He has done and who He declares us to be. So as I sort through this and think through this, okay, if how I see myself is so important and I'm not to be conceited so that I won't be challenging or envious, how do I understand myself properly? Because our world feeds both of these temptations. And if we become conceited, we make really good consumers. We make really good angry activists. And we allow the world to define us by face or race or place or any other category rather than humility saying, no, this is my Father's world. And He will tell me in His Word and in His work who I really am. So let's do that. Now, there are several warnings again, and I repeat. Romans 12, 3. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think with sound and sober judgment. Sober up in how you view yourself. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from empty conceit, but count other people as more important than you are. 2 Corinthians 12, 11. Paul says, and this is a good balancer right here. In no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, though I'm a nobody. (laughs) So Paul says, I'm not going to be intimidating. But I'm I'm also not going to be intimidated. Because I've got a proper, balanced, balanced, healthy view of who I really am. And it comes from above. It comes from God the Father. So let's... Let's speak a little bit about proper self-understanding and how we get that. Now, at its root, a Christian is someone who knows and has God as their father. 
So what I'm giving us now is, from the Bible, what are the true reference points? The true reference points that you and I look to, not to ourselves and not to other people, but, but what is the polar north? What is the pole star that we can look to to understand who we are? Isn't it interesting, and Catherine mentioned this, that when God taught us to pray, the very first phrase he used was, Our Father. So that begins to define who I really am so that I don't become conceited and challenging or envious. The book of Galatians began by telling us that He was God our Father and that He has given His Son on our behalf so that we might be redeemed and saved. Now did you leave your Bible open where I told you to leave your Bible open to? And I know Rebecca and I already talked about this before the service. So let's go quickly to Ephesians chapter 2 because I've got to get to the point. And you said, yes, please get to the point. (laughs) Every sermon ought to have one point. Most of mine have several. So the book of Ephesians, just like Galatians, is so clear in defining who we are. He begins the chapter by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in Ephesians 1.3. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Hey, in love He predestined us to to adoption as, as sons, children through Christ. To Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. To the praise of of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. So what you do is you go to the Father's Word and you hear Him tell you who we are in Christ. And you preach this to yourself every day. And that spiritually forms you to have a proper understanding of who you are so that you'll glorify Him rather than yourself and so that you'll serve other people in humility and love. So here's some reference points. Turn the page if you're in my Bible. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Here's the perspective you need. Here are the reference points that I need to push back against the false identities and lies that our world and our culture and the devil and the flesh are selling us every single day. I've asked people beside me after we take a picture together, I said, do I really look like that? And my friend says, yeah, you really look like that. I'm like, okay. No filter needed. This is who we really are. Warts and all. Now, I know we have illusions and we have dreams, but this is who we really are. So the first reference point is all of us have got to come to grips with the gravity of sin. You were dead, Paul tells us, in your trespasses and sins. You formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, that's now working in the sons of disobedience. So you see the sons of disobedience living how they live? That's who you were. That should affect how you treat them and think about them and serve them and love them. Among them too, we all, keyword all, formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, the mind and nature. We were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. We were so bad in and of ourselves that it took God to save us. Dead lost, earned and meriting the wrath of God due sin, guilty. So when we begin to think, you know, I deserve better than this. I don't think I've been getting my fair share. It helps to remember who you are and who you were. This is a humbling reference point. But what I'm going to keep saying is humility is the soil in which the fruit of the Spirit will grow. 
It will not grow in the soil of pride and arrogance and being so full and wrapped up of ourselves that we can't receive grace or won't receive grace. The second thing, reference point number two, is the necessity of His grace. Look at verse 4. But God, what a miracle. What grace. God did something. Our Father has acted on our behalf. Look at verse 4. He's rich in mercy. And it was because of His great love with which He loved us. Why are we Christians? Why can we call Him Father? Because He has set His love on us. We were dead in our transgressions. He made us alive. He raised us up together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He's re- Verse 6, I'm getting ahead of myself. He's raised us up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. And here's our future. So that in the ages to come, He will show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, It's not of yourselves, it is of the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. There it is. Why should we not boast? Why should I not become conceited, which will lead to me challenging you or envying you? The reason I have no boasting before God or other people is that all of us not only stand under the gravity of sin, but live in the necessity of grace. And the whole book of Galatians has been all about what? His grace, which frees us, changes us, forgives us, and makes our future out of this world. So the second reference point is the necessity of His grace. And the third reference point I I included in the reading, the opportunity for faith. And faith in itself is a gift from God. Our Father's work is appropriated and activated in our lives through faith. Turning away from myself and my self-trust and glory and waving the white flag of surrender, no longer trusting in me, but rather totally in Jesus and His sufficiency. Faith is the hand that takes hold of the Savior after I realize my deep poverty, my deep spiritual hunger, and my deep need. It is a gift, a gift, that no one should boast. So you see how these are very humbling truths. These truths not only get me low, but they keep me low, and they keep down that insidious, and toxic pride, which is detrimental to relationships because it turns me rather from serving to wanting to be served. And it tempts me to cater to the flesh and to the self. But wait, there's more. (laughs) To sound like a good or bad marketing agency... But in this case, it's all good. My fourth reference point is really the reason I started the sermon to begin with. And that comes from verse 10. Several Wednesday nights ago, we were talking about self-understanding and self-identity. Sometimes we're feeling too high on ourselves. And sometimes we're feeling too low on ourselves and both are wrong but both come from the same source so the reference point we need part of this we shared from verse 10 we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. So, our Heavenly Father is a poet. He's an artist. Because this word workmanship in the Greek is poema. 
where we in our English get the word poem. That means that each of us are uniquely God's poem to the world for His glory, for His honor, for His name, and for His service. Hey, you and I are special. We're unique. Now, as a dad of five boys, it has been amazing and stunning to learn that from two people in the same household, raised the same way, but can all be so uniquely different in their gifts, in their talents, their personalities, their likes. I was telling Bryson, did you know he and Brooke are expecting boy number two? Congratulations and happy Father's Day, Bryson. Baby boy number two will be very uniquely different from Charlie. It's amazing. It's shocking. It's challenging. Because just when you think you got it figured out, here comes another challenge. Do y'all remember the parable of the, the, the chicken and the fox and the corn crossing the river? I'm not going to get into that one, but that's fatherhood for you right there. Go look it up. Google it. But here's the theological truth. If within one household, such unique differences can exist, what about, the house, what about God's workshop of the church? We are each uniquely God's poem. Now, a poet, if you buy a book of poetry and, and say there's 50 poems in there, those 50 poems are not going to all be the same, rhyme the same, or have the same content. That's just stupid. That's 50 pages of the same poem. That's not a book of poetry. An artist reproduces out of his creativity and his love and his personality many different types of works to display his, his heart, his mind, his soul. I'm just trying to say that we are all so uniquely different and challenging and lovely and beautiful in our own way for a divine reason. There's not a single one of us who completely reflects the Father's heart, soul, mind, and love completely. So, so the, the beauty and the glory of the Father is seen through the, the vast differences in the church. So I should not try to press you to be conformed to my image, but rather to the image of Christ. God is at work in you both to will and do for His good pleasure. You really are a divine work of art. It says we are His. You belong to Him. We are His workmanship. He's working and molding and shaping you like a potter would the clay. Created. That word is also used for all of creation. When God spoke the universe into existence, He uses the same word in Ephesians 2.10 to describe us. So creation is His workmanship, and each of us are His workmanship. Creation shines for His glory and name. You and I are to shine for His glory and name. In our own unique ways, gifts, talents, personalities, somehow, miraculously, God is forming all of us into the image of Christ. That helps me understand who I am. That should also help me understand who you also are becoming. It's all in Christ Jesus, totally connected to Him. He is the means by which God created the universe. He is the means by which you and I become new creations. Forming us, shaping us. What did He say? Follow me and I will make you. Make you become what? Fishers of men. We are His we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. Now we're back where we were in Galatians. Serve one another out of love, doing good works that would glorify your Father who is in heaven. Forming and shaping me to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We are becoming this. So, so let's spend time this morning. Imagine 
Jesus in his father's carpenter shop. Molding and shaping. Yokes for oxen. That would fit very well. Holman Hunt has a painting called The Shadow of the Cross. And in the carpenter shop, in his dad's workshop, young Jesus is suspended like this. And on the shadow of the wall is the shape of a cross cast by the sun shining upon young Jesus in the carpenter shop, pointing ultimately to the work that God would do through the workshop of the cross. What's the purpose of his workmanship, his poema, his divine work of art in you and me? All of us remember our dad's workshops, their gifts, their talents, their trades. It all may have looked the same, been different. One thing my dad used to do for me and my brother is he would take us to the creek swimming. And he, he did this several times. I don't know if you remember doing this, but like he would make these little bark boats out of pine bark with his pocket knife. He would pull out his pocket knife, and my dad, who was a logger, who dealt a lot with trees and bark, all right, would make me and Jake these little boats, and we'd, we'd put those little bark boats in the creek and watch them float away. And dad would always say, they're headed for the Gulf of Mexico. And there were times I believed him. God molding and shaping you. He's a potter. He's a gardener. He's a builder. But you and I have to be like clay in his hands. Moldable. Humble being shaped and formed in the workshop of creation, the workshop of the church, the workshop of the word, the workshop of the cross. Those are very humbling reference points that enable us, rather than to be conceited and boastful, to be humble servants, loving and caring for God's people and the community in the way that He calls us to. This is all about spiritual formation. We've got a lot more to say about this, but that can wait till next week. But I'll simply say, the way to be formed spiritually into your Father's plan is to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for forming us through the work of the cross. Not only the vast work of creation, but the cross, the church. the You have so many tools in your workshop, Father. <laughs> and it's going to take our whole life. But one day we will truly be complete. We will be perfect. We will be like Jesus. We will shine like the stars in heaven. Your name, your glory, not to us. Not to us, but to your name be honor and glory. May we be clay, moldable, shapeable, humble, so that your work in us and through us would not be frustrated by selfishness, conceit, and the pride that we are all prone to. Save us, Lord, we need you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Hey, his greatest work, his finished work, right here at the cross. You come as we sing.
Amen. If you would, please be seated. We've got a three, four-minute video showing a lot of the mission work in Nicaragua. I watched this. You may recognize some of the people in this video if you watch carefully. When I am down and oh my soul so weary When troubles come and my heart pretend be Then I am still and wait here in the silence Until you come and sit a while with me testimony. Those are some incredible examples of the good works which Jesus has created us to do. That's the reason the boats are in the water, is to do those types of good works. I want to thank Ronnie and Jerry for
your leadership, your love, and for putting us in that video since we paid you to do it. <laughs> All right, let's stand. Hey, a couple of things. As you leave, there's an offering plate to contribute to Jerry's mission to Thailand, which he is going to be beginning soon. And then also Bryson was going to pass out the sheets of students to pray for the week of camp. And so they're also going to have those on your way out. Um, can't think of any. Oh, today's Father's Day. So there's no services tonight. Enjoy your time with your family. Dave Lloyd. Uh, Larry, share with me a prayer request for Dave Lloyd, who's in the hospital. And then uh, Kim Anderson asked us to pray for a deputy who has died with Carroll County. Shana Kahn. Am I saying that correctly, Kim? Uh, 33 years old, died after a long battle with cancer. So, David Lloyd and family of Shana Khan, thank you, Kim, for bringing that to our attention. The rose on the organ is in honor of Joe Whittemore, who texted me Happy Father's Day this morning. Let's not forget about Mr. Joe, and Miss Becky is gracious and compassionate and thoughtful enough to remember him with the rose on the organ which he gave to our church to enjoy during worship. So, Miss Becky, thank you. Thank you for your thoughtfulness. Will you close this, Catherine? We're going to sing Family of God together to close. Um, i got to tell you all one thing about Mr. David, in case you all didn't know. He's doing a wonderful ministry at the jail in Franklin. He goes as many Thursdays as they will let him go. And I know for a fact... Um, Somebody close to me is in there, and he got saved last Thursday. And that's a direct, that's because of Mr. David's work. He said Mr. David was the first person who came in there and treated him like a human who could do good. Um, so y'all pray for Mr. David for his health, but also for that strong, powerful ministry he's doing down at the jail um, this week. All right, let's sing Family of God together to close. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Y'all have a great week.